G'day. We hope you're enjoying our podcast. Producing a podcast is costly, both time and money. If you'd like to show your support and offer a one-off payment, even the price of a coffee or a beer, that'd be greatly appreciated and would go a long way to support us. If you'd like to leave a donation, head to the show notes of this episode and click on the ACAST supporter link. Be sure to leave your message of support too. Thanks again. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The thoughts and opinions shared in this podcast are just that. It's up to the listener to decide what is true and what is not true. This podcast talks about domestic violence and death. It contains adult themes and coarse language. If you need help or you are affected by such issues, you can contact your nearest help centre, such as Lifeline on 131114 or DV Connect on 1800 811 811. Discretion is advised. Well, hello, BVRers. Uh, Jamie here. It's the 7th of June. It's a Monday morning. And I am driving to meet Peter Boyce, Alison's lawyer, and Alison. We're going to meet in Peter's office and we are going to hear the coroner's findings. So I know it's been a bit of radio silence over the last few months, uh, but that's only because I wanted to wait until I had the... the coroner's findings before I did an episode and in September uh, last year we had three days of the coronial inquest and that was in Gympie and then just recently in April we had two days or one day in Brisbane to conclude the coroner's inquest so look hopefully there's a good result here hopefully it can move Curious Case forward but we'll, we'll find out in about an hour so it's pretty exciting. So I just wanted to also thank you um, for emailing and messaging and commenting on things, I asking about the coronial inquest and what's going on. And I haven't been able to reply to everybody, but I do see them and I appreciate them. So thanks for all your support all across the world. And I will update you as soon as I have the coroner's findings. So until then, sit tight.
walked into Peter Boyce's office. I say hello and take a seat. In the room is Alison, Kira's mum, Peter Boyce, her lawyer, Annie Gaffney, an ABC journalist, and myself. We're sitting in Peter Boyce's conference room. It's a big room with a large stone tabletop and red chairs around it. A window looking out to the street stretches across the length of the room. There is a large bookshelf which takes up most of the back wall and it's filled with law and legal books. On the table is a phone. Mr Boyce will use that phone to call the coroner's court in just a few minutes to hear the findings. There is a bit of nerves and excitement and anticipation in the air. This moment is monumental for Alison and for all of Kira's loved ones. 11 o'clock comes around and it's time to call the court. We didn't record the findings as the coroner read them out, but Mr Boyce summarises them now. My Zoom recorder is sitting on the stone table, propped up by a cup of coffee. Annie Gaffney is about to chat with us after hearing the coroner's findings. Annie is an experienced, well-known ABC journalist and was kind enough to let me use her recording chatting with Peter, Alison and myself. So thanks to ABC for letting me use this audio. Okay. So, Peter Boyce, I'll just get you to start by saying, um, can you please summarise essentially what the coroner, Miss Bentley, had to say today about Kira Lee McLaughlin's inquest? Uh, the findings were really strong and clear that Kira's boyfriend was the perpetrator of uh, the injuries that Kira had and which caused her death. What um, Was that a finding that you were expecting? What's your reaction to that? Uh, that's a great finding, uh, one that Alison's always believed and always uh, said was the case. Um, but the medical evidence that was presented by the coroner's office was extremely powerful, but also uh, of great assistance to uh, actually working out causes or possible causes of death. And the coroner certainly seized upon them and also seized upon the events and the facts of that night and also seized upon his despicable record as a domestic violence perpetrator. Were were the findings as strong as you'd hoped for? Was there anything else in there that you were looking for? They're probably stronger uh, in terms of the cause of death. Um, One would hope now that um, the Queensland Police Service will read the findings and appoint someone who's experienced in investigating homicides to review the whole file and to start afresh with fresh eyes and then look at um, what evidence might not have been overturned or what evidence there was that um, the coroner's court has uncovered uh, that perhaps the police didn't or what, what came out of the inquest. So really important. You've been involved in this case now for a few years since Kira's mum uh, first contacted you. Um, Why do you believe it's seven years since Kira died? Why do you believe it's taken this long to get justice for Kira? Um, That's a difficult question. Uh, One of the things you have to remember is that um, there shouldn't be any blame levelled at the coroner's court. They've got lots and lots of work and they do the level best they can. Um, Resources are always an issue for everyone, but um, as much as it's been a long time, 
sometimes you have to wait a long time to get a result that you firmly believe is the one that you're seeking. Um, and, you know, from Alison's point of view, wouldn't matter if it was 10 or 20 years, she'd still be fighting. So um, ideally, it should be done much quicker, but we're not going to throw any criticism at the coroner's office for those delays because I think they've done their level best. The coroner did stop short, though, of making any findings at the beginning of her summary against the police investigation or about the police investigation. How unusual is it then, given the strong finding that she did make? Um, I suspect the coroner has a view about whether the investigation was adequate and um, that's not really her role. And um, to be fair, that wasn't one of the areas that was high on the agenda for the coroner. It wasn't something where police statements were prepared as to the adequacy or inadequacy of the police um, investigation to date. But regardless of whether that finding was made, um, the findings are so strong about what caused Kira's death that the police service are well and truly on notice that they ought to be now doing a complete review of this whole investigation. And it needs to be done with a fresh set of eyes. And someone who's experienced in homicide, um, you know, they need to be experts. That That's their role, that's their job, not some senior constable in Kimpy. How, like, how often would you get a coroner in a case like this make such strong findings to say that the injuries that Kira's boyfriend caused to her uh, were the cause of her death and then not make any recommendations about charges being laid? Is, how typical is that? Um, I, it's a bit hard for me to comment on that. Uh, but suffice it to say that you've got to remember that when we go to a criminal court, it's proof beyond reasonable doubt. That's not the test here. And um, the, the coroner's obviously conscious of the different standards of proof that are required. Um, and it doesn't mean that the police can't continue their investigations. In fact, the coroner said they no doubt will continue their investigations. So we're really saying, please do, because we think that um, an experienced investigator will probably and hopefully come up with some evidence that is fairly compelling or at least get a prima facie case against um, the boyfriend, which will be enough, hopefully, to run a trial. But that's another issue. The real issue here is how did she die? What did she die from? What was the cause of it? Couldn't be clearer. The coroner has not minced any words about the cause of death, which is what Alison's been on about the whole time, that my child has been killed at the hands of her former boyfriend. And that's clearly what was found. So it's a very strong finding. Kira's mum is Alison Russell. Alison, this must be just a huge moment for you today. How are you feeling as the coroner handed down those, as Peter Boyce said, those very clear findings? 
Well, I think Mr Boyce put it probably best in that it was above what I expected um, to be handed down. So it's nice to see that it's become clear to everybody now what actually happened, what the truth was. You've been fighting this fight for seven years to get justice for Kira. I have. How are you feeling now? Um, relieved and I've lost that word. But um, just thankful that now everybody sees it for the way it is and not for all the lies that were told all through the first few years or the, the way it was ignored all through the way through the first few years. Um. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Um, Alison, have, you know, I know that you have been fighting so hard for your daughter all this time. Have you felt her with you in this process have you felt her here today oh yes yes Kira always did run the show she always will she is in control of everything and um as much as that might make me sound crazy I just think the way things have happened and the timing and the people that have come into my life it's just all fitted in like a jigsaw puzzle and that's that's her way of saying it's all right, Mum, I've got this. And one of those people that has come into your life, of course, is Jamie Poltz, who's sitting alongside you today and has been here for the uh, coroner's findings. Jamie, I first met you quite a few years ago when you started recording Beanham Valley Road to investigate what happened to Kira. You'd been called out to assist her during your career as a, a police officer. Mm. How are you feeling after all those episodes and, you know, um, Alison, you've really sort of helped Alison, I guess, and she's helped you kind of push this further along, this investigation into what happened to Kira to search for those answers. And I saw you holding on to Alison during the the findings being handed down over the phone today. How are you feeling? Um, I feel great about it. you know, it was the best uh, findings we could have hoped for. It was everything I was hoping for and more. She struck out some of the other things that were told, some of the lies that, you know, the boyfriend had said had happened. So she died at the hands of um, her ex-partner and uh, we couldn't ask for a better finding and just all the work we've done, you know, to get here. It was a pretty pretty long road and it was a, it was a hard process, but, you know, through the listeners of Bannon Valley Road, like we've got people all around the world who are checking in and asking how it's going and, you know, sending support to Alison. And, yeah, I'm just really thankful for that and I'm thankful that Alison trusted me to do this and I've made a great friend out of it. And, yeah, I'm just over the moon. Has Kira got justice? 
Not we're yet. closer. Not yet, but we're closer. We're closer. And Jamie, you as a police officer, you no longer work for the police force in Queensland, were called out at one stage to help Kira. Yep. Um, you know, it was that interaction with her and your frustration at not being able to help mm. her at that time with domestic violence that mm. really spurred you into action yep. with this podcast. Yep. Um, yeah. That interaction with Kira just imprinted on me and I just felt I needed to do something about it and, you know, I couldn't do anything about it then but I was in a situation where I could do something about it and just, yeah, I just couldn't let that, I couldn't let it go just thinking that that person who asked for help is now dead and, you know, when I reached out to Alison and it all just kicked off from there so... I did, and we had a few surprises along yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah. As well, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy. I think Kira's pretty happy. Yeah, seven years on, and we're here now, and we've got great findings, and fingers crossed, moving forward. Yeah. Will you be working together as well as this case continues to progress? Yeah. So yeah. I said when I finished Bena Valley Road, it was only finished because the story so far had been told, but there's more to the story now and there will be more to the story. And as a, if there is a criminal proceeding afterwards, we'll continue to, to update that and, and, yeah, I'll be a friend. And This has ultimately been a terrible case of domestic violence. Mm. What would you like to say to any person who is a victim of domestic violence currently and living in that situation, Alison, as a result of these findings today and the battle that you fought for your daughter to get justice? I'm probably not the one to speak on that matter. The, the person who would be more of an expert would be Katie because she survived and she thrived despite what she'd been through and she's the ultimate survivor of, of an abusive relationship. I didn't actually suffer an abusive relationship as such. But I'm just hoping that with all this, maybe people can see the red flags when they come up and they can go, oh, that sounds familiar. I've had people send messages to me saying, this sounds the same as my daughter and, you know, there's this and this and this. And, and I say to them, well, you know, you only get one chance. Once they're gone, they're gone. What were the early signs that you noticed with Kira that there could be domestic violence happening? The whole love obsession, like completely over the top, yes, I'm going to marry her, I'm madly in love with her and um, she's going to have my babies and she already had four babies, I don't But it's just the whole demeanour, the, the history that was being given to me directly, there was a lot of red flags, but my daughter was not a girl who could be told what to do, even by her mother. Um, and I think she was terrified of being a single parent with four children. So she was stuck in this situation she couldn't get out of. The coercive control was mm. mind-boggling, absolutely mind-boggling, and... Even Kira, who would had to have to have been one of the strongest people I've ever known, and that, and everybody who knew her would have said the same thing about her. 
the fact that she was a victim of domestic violence means that anybody can be a victim. And so we've got to stop this from happening. So can I just, on, on uh, Kathleen Cox, um, coroner's findings at paragraph 267, uh, 68, 69 and 70, uh, this is what she has said. Ms Cox produced two documents outlining her relationship with the boyfriend. They contain a harrowing account of constant abuse, both physical and psychological, perpetrated by the boyfriend on her, which commenced shortly after she met him in 2001, when she was still at high school and continued until he went to prison in 2014. In summary, Ms Cox stated that Mr Macdonald frequently raped her, hit her and called her names. He often kept her awake all night whilst hitting and abusing her. He spent all their money on drugs and alcohol so that she was unable to pay rent or buy food for, the, for their children. He threatened to kill her, including burning down her grandparents' house if she left him. In evidence, Ms Cox stated that Mr Macdonald frequently grabbed her around the throat when they were arguing. He would start with verbal abuse and then accuse her of infidelity. He would then become enraged and then push her, grab her, punch her and throw her around. Um, he punched the walls, threw her into the walls. Sometimes he grabbed her by the throat and pushed her face into the walls. That's the person. Could not get a better description. I've tended part of that document. If you read it, it's harrowing to read. And this is the mother of Katie's boyfriend's children. Absolutely. So that's the quality of what we're dealing with. So uh, he's a manipulative person, as you've said, but she's she's had it all. So for her, I'm so pleased that she had the guts to get up and say, well, I'm not copying this anymore. And that's easy for us to all say. After all the dust had settled, I sat down with Alison to get her thoughts on what just happened. All right, we're rolling. So, Alison, um, we're in Peter Boyce's office in Nambour, and we have just... Uh, he had to leave, obviously, but we just had a telephone call with the coroner and they have handed... The, she's handed her findings down and they're really, really strong and really good for us. So how do you feel about all that? Um, I'm not sure yet. I'm still a bit numb. Yeah. Uh, after all that time waiting and then, oh, we're handing down the findings in four days. Mm. It's like my body's still in shock. Mm. But... Um, the more I think about it, the happier it makes me, um, because it, it's just, like I said, vindication. Mm. That well, the findings are fifty-five pages long, so it's quite extensive. Uh, the coroner, Jane Bentley, summarised that on the phone, and it was basically that she struck out all the other versions of events we've heard. You know that. Jason, the boyfriend, had said, you know, that she overdosed, that he dropped her in the shower, and that Tamika did it, you know, and Jane Bentley, the state coroner, has said 
based on the evidence and based on the, the professional witnesses they had, the medical professionals, that it's she finds that that didn't cause Kira's death. And it was pretty, it was, yeah, she didn't mince words. So, I mean, I, I couldn't be happier with those results. No, it's, as I said, it's going to take a while to mm. digest mm. after all this time. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's feeling good. <laughs> I can feel the smile coming back to my face. It's just good, you know. Like she, she mentions that, you know, he called one three health instead of triple zero and that she's accepting the neighbours who heard, you know, Jason say, I fucked up, I don't know what to do on the phone, and also, I don't love you anymore. Yes, yes. So, I mean, that's all really good. It was all in there, all the important stuff was in there, and she heard it all and put it all together the way it should have been put together. So, I mean, it's just... I think we couldn't have asked for a better better result. No. So, I mean, fingers crossed. So, what happens from here? Well, hopefully the police review their investigation and give it a new set of eyes and so I mean I've been holding off you know doing an episode on Vino Valley Road because I wanted to have the findings and you know speaking with Peter Boyce your solicitor said that's a good idea to do we have been inundated with people asking how you are what's going on with Kira's case is the coronial over what's happening with it and now we can finally say that current coronial is done. Now we start all over mm. again with criminal proceedings, hopefully. So, yeah. But, yeah, thank you to all the listeners who, you know, have reached out and listened to Beano Valley Road. And thank you to you, Alison, for trusting me to do it and, you know, being there every step of the way. And it's not over yet. You were a curious miracle. Well, that's that arguable, but... But, no, the timing was just incredible. Um, oh, yeah, and she also went into quite a bit of detail about his history. Yes. And how... Several times. And how disastrous it is. Yes. That basically he's a, a repeat offender and all... <laughs> he, he, Yeah, there is... A lengthy criminal history in regards to domestic violence and she didn't sugarcoat it. You know, he has a tendency to violence and he gets physical and he he strangles, he hits. You know, she didn't hold back. No, she didn't hold back so. at all, which is fabulous. But I, I found it interesting when he said that he'd never heard of such a bad... Oh, Peter Boy said that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. DV record. Like, he's been in this game for a very mm. long time. And for him to say that, that's mm. that's pretty huge. It is. So how on earth that was ever walking the streets, mm. I don't know. But hopefully, hopefully it never will again. Yeah. Well, thank you for allowing me to interview you and speaking with me. I know you're probably pretty emotional after that, but... Yeah. So there you have it. We are much closer than ever before. Thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in and caring about Kira's story and her case. And I will update you if anything happens with this case. Until then, take care. Bean and Bailey Road is a 610 Media production. 
This episode was written and produced by myself, Jamie Paltz. The theme music is Peace of Heaven by Pete Allen. A special thanks to Annie Gaffney from the ABC for letting me use her audio. Please, guys, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us. And also you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Beanham Valley Road. Thanks. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.